Cartoons, the animated frontier. These are the voyages of the Cellcast podcast. It's continuing mission to explore strange new cartoons, to seek out new animation styles and new creative storytelling methods, to boldly go where so few ever go again. Welcome to another episode of The Cellcast. Joining me today is a man who's just got to go feed a pig. Welcome, Jacob. But I don't want to feed a pig. I want to be a brave knight. <laughs> feed the pig! Okay, fine. I'll go feed the pig. <laughs> but I'll let my imagination believe I am a knight. Great. And I just... that is why you will fail. Okay, fine then. <laughs> I'll just be a pig farmer. <laughs> Anyway, <laughs> why, thank you. Let me introduce our co-host, a man who is just craving his munchies and crunchies. Welcome, Drew. <laughs> I, I can't do it. I can't do it. <laughs> it's great to do a gallop voice, but it sounds horrible. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, how are you doing, Jacob? Uh, this show's going off great already. Yes, I can uh, tell. <laughs> well, I am doing very well. It is felt like it should be Wednesday already, but it's Tuesday. So obviously we're doing the podcast right now. Uh, yeah, it's going pretty good. Long, but productive. Mm-hmm. How about you? Uh, it's been good. It's been uh, like, like you, it does feel like it should be Wednesday, mm-hmm. but uh, it's been a good week. I got some rest this weekend. We had a good time uh, in a certain video game that we live streamed yes, on Saturday. Yes, we did. Yes, we did. Because uh, we have started uh, going through Kingdom Hearts. Mm-hmm. I, of course, have played all the games at least once. Kingdom Hearts itself, I think I've played three, four, five times at least. Only once, actually, to hundred to completion. Hmm. But more on that later. Yes. You, on the other hand, have never don't even all all you have are clips. Yes. From Kingdom Hearts to, to know what's going on. So you don't have you have no context for anything. No, I don't. Outside actually. of what few of the movies you might have seen. Yeah. When we get to those levels. Yes. Uh, I enjoy what we're doing so far. So if you like Kingdom Hearts, mm-hmm. go check us. Go check. No, go, go check out our stream there. The videos are archived on uh, Twitch. I probably will go ahead and archive this to our YouTube channel. So go check us out there as well. Um, There is a little... Even though we don't really do news anymore, I do have to touch on a bit of sad news. Okay. You remember when we did uh, Great Muppet Caper? Yes. And uh, I mentioned a bit of trivia... About the guy who played Nikki Holiday, mm-hmm. Charles Groban. Yes. In which uh, I mentioned that we have no idea in that scene if he was doing the singing and was dubbed back over himself yes. or if somebody else did the singing. Yes. The sad news is we will probably now never know because right. he passed away today at, I believe, the age of 87. Oh, okay. Or maybe it was last night, but either way, it was mm. announced this morning. Uh, so, 
Yeah, that's just a bit of sad news. Wanted to go ahead and bring that up, touch on it. Yeah. Before uh, we get to have fun here. Yeah. Uh, because, yeah, he was one of my favorite characters in that movie. Yeah. And unfortunately, he's definitely never coming back. So Yeah, it's kind of sad to hear. Uh, I also do have a bit of news. Now, granted, this is more rumor and speculation. There's really no basis to this because I had, uh, if most people know, I had posted, uh, I think last week that there is going to be a He-Man in the, uh, our correction, Masters of the Universe Revelation, which is a continuation from the original filmation, He-Man and the Masters of the Universe. Right. So... There are there's speculative rumor now. Granted, this is there's no definitive truth behind this. There is no, I mean, like this is 100% real, what have you. But this is the the um, the scuttlebutt that's going around. That they're going to do the first episode is going to be He Man all the way, and then throughout the rest of the series, which is breaking up in the two seasons. Uh, five episodes piece, apparently He-Man disappears in some fashion or form. We don't know how, when, or where, but he apparently he disappears. Depending on how it's handled, yes, that could be interesting. Yeah. And apparently they make the lead character through that part of the arc, Tila. Hmm. And there, there have been fears of uh, Motu fans, or Masters Universe fans, uh, that it's going to turn into another uh, She-Ra Princess of Power issue. I can see where one might worry about that. Yes. Definitely within the languages, the language they have been using throughout the uh, press coverage of this series. So I'm looking for, I'm looking forward to the series. The animation looks great. Uh, I'm just a little more concerned after uh, learning a little bit more about it and watching a, uh, a certain pot, uh, not a podcast, but a YouTube channel, uh, called, I think it's, uh, clownfish TV.com. Oh, I think I've seen that. channel. Yeah. yeah it's, it's a bit, it's a, it's they're, a bit, they're a little negative about yeah, a lot of things. They are, believe me, they are, but this is where I got my information from. Now, granted, do not take what I say as gospel or truth. Uh, this is simply what people are saying at the moment. Uh, we will not know until the, the series is released, which I believe is in like late June, June or July. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, I'm looking forward to it and uh, not trying to let all the negativity, you know, bring you down a little bit, but I am most definitely looking forward to that, that series. So I think, uh, didn't we kind of skip something about uh, movies? We've been watching. We're still in banter. That we is, don't do news anymore. That is true. Or we're, we're trying that is to decide true. if we're doing news. That is true. That is true. But true. we're just talking about things. This is we just had two things that came up that we did want to talk about. Yeah, that is true. Before we actually jump into, and if I may ask you, Jacob, what <laughs> have you been watching? So speaking of Motu, uh, that was one of the reasons I wanted to bring that up, and you know our, our little banter uh, moment. Uh, I recently. Uh, purchase the He-Man Masters Universe from um, from Funimation, which was released by Universal. Uh, the entire series of the original 1980 oh, series. Filmation, sorry. Yeah, Filmation. Not I had, Funimation, I had to but double Filmation. Check you said, I thought you said Funimation. Nope. 
It's like, well, I don't think Sony wants them to be releasing anything through Sony through a Universal. No. <laughs> but yeah, I started watching that. Uh, I did watch a uh, an interesting movie with that. Uh, he Man, She Wrote, The Princess of or uh, The Secret of the Sword. Uh, that was a very interesting film because uh, mm-hmm. I remember watching that as a kid uh, when my baby brother had uh, surgery. I may have mentioned this last time, I think, but it's worth repeating again. Uh, but other than that, Bill, I watched that and I started watching a lot more of the episodes and they're actually really good. I was very shocked to be like, yeah, they 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 claim in a documentary. It's like, oh, because Disney rotoscoped everything and they rotoscope things. And you can definitely tell where they rotoscope. <laughs> Um, where Disney doesn't really rotoscope because if you know the industry, they don't do that. <laughs> um, no, but they do very much live uh, action references. They do do live action references, and sometimes they do kind of draw over, but that's different than normal rotoscope. It is, and like you said before, be like rotoscoping is a lot harder. Yeah, because as we will talk about later on, they did rotoscope in this film. Yeah. Interesting results. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, other than... Um, what was... We watched something at Chase's house. What was that? Uh, that was Gridman. Gridman. That's SS Gridman. Yeah, that was weird. It. Yeah, I mean, it's good. Don't get me wrong. Right. Animation... Here's the thing. You saying it's weird, I find interesting. Right. Because... It is very similar to a show you like in why it does some things that it does. Hmm. Enlighten me what you're referring you, to. You like Neon Genesis Evangelion, right? That is true. Which is infamous for its long scenes of very little animation, although highly detailed. True. Because it's saving money for the giant fight at the end of the episode. That is true. This is doing the same thing. Yeah, true, but it's got a little more what I'm going to call more the Power Rangers-esque. Because it's based on a tokusatsu. (laughs) I know. It is based on, it is in the same universe as Ultraman. Yes. Which is, technically predates Super Sentai by a a bit. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, that was, I thought it was very interesting. Uh, There again, uh, the only connection I have with that is watching Power Rangers when I was growing up. Um, Now, one little bit of news that I'd be like, now, granted, this is not what we've been watching, but it was something that I listened to, actually. So one day while I was out on a walk and uh, I decided that I was because this this memory kept popping in my head. And so I, I looked up. I was like, oh, here's that song. So I played it and I wound up playing most throughout most of these albums. And I was like, you know what? That'd be a bit of trivia. So when I got back, <laughs> I asked people, hey, I, I, I was I listening, you're talking I was listening to a Disney soundtrack. You were correct. <laughs> I was listening to a soundtrack and just gave everybody random like, okay, it's, it's within the plethora of the Disney empire. And Which this guy that, got it right. No, no, no. <laughs> When you said that, all that did was all that did was confuse things mm-hmm. because it's like, oh, well, it could be Marvel, it could be Lucasfilm. Here's the thing: it wasn't until your second hint, yep, exactly, that I realized I oh, always remember I can you Google stuff. Yeah, I, I, I that was that's the thing. I kept and, thinking and either first, a he's googled it or b he's guessing on it. No, no. Here's here's how this happened. Okay, 
I first saw your hint uh, Sunday. Yeah. And I looked at it and thought, and I wasn't, I wasn't, I wasn't sure how to take it other than I knew autocorrect did not help you in that hint. Okay. Because, or, or in some, there was a mistyping in somewhere because it's like, that does not look like English in terms, but I, but I, we, since we had just got done talking about, uh, Tangled, I was like, oh, it must be Tangled. Maybe this is a song from a later season that I don't know. Right. Would make sense. Right. And of course you came back and said no. And so this morning I'm looking at that and going, I bet that that's actually, I can't remember the hint now. It's like, always remember you. I'll yeah. always remember you. That's Except it. that's not what you typed. What did I type? <laughs> Let me bring it up. That's what I'm looking for. It's like, what did I type? Uh, okay. Here's what you typed. Oh, that's what I did. Right. I'll was. I was. Oh uh, yeah. That's which, right. I looked, I thought, I bet that's always. Yeah. I bet you anything that's always. <laughs> so I thought, let's just Google. Because I'm just curious now. Yeah. What could always remember you be? Because that could be, with a title like that. Be anything. That could be anything. No. So I just Googled, always remember you. First hit. <laughs> Hannah Montana. Yep. And because we have been... We've been much closer in the last three years. Yes, than we were. Then because we, we've been good friends for a while, but we've right. become even better friends in the last three years. Yeah, that uh, I know things <laughs> about you. Yes, I know you were addicted to that show for a while. Well, thought, yeah, it was a good story. Well, that has to be it. Yeah, has to be it. And, and then I, and I, think the I almost, I almost typed it right then and there. Yeah, but the thing is, I was, I, I almost want to do something funny. Right. Because what I wanted to type was, is that the show where Billy Ray Cyrus tried to become popular again by having his <laughs> daughter get popular and then he uh, kind of lived off of her excess? Yeah, sure, but you wouldn't have wanted because someone would have beat you to it. I know. <laughs> Which is why I thought, no. Actually, what I wanted to say is actually a lot worse than that, and I can't say it on the show. <laughs> That's the thing. Wow, okay. And I'm just saying, just think about what Miley Cyrus did since she that left true. Disney. That is true. She went to the Cuckoo for I, I was going to mention something about her being psychologically damaged. But anyway. Right. Uh, <laughs> but anywho. Uh, but, but, but yeah, it's like, I just typed, I, I didn't even type it in. I just so put I, a gift up there. I just put a gift of, I just, I typed The it transformation, in, let's like, say that. Yeah, it's like, from the opening sequence, it's like that was interesting. Yeah, I, I was I was very shocked. So, um, that so what, I get something for that, right? Yes, you do. Be like, what do you want drawn? I don't know yet. <laughs> okay, but okay, the story behind that. Uh, I I, lo- I loved this show when it came out. Now, granted, season one, season two were great. Season three was meh. I would season, know. Yeah, season four was kind of okay. Be like really good conclusion to that series. Really, really good. I liked it because it had good story. And good character developments and good arcs. Uh, not granted, be like having ADD and dyslexia. But sometimes you have an oh, ob- yeah. obs- obsession compulsive disorder, mm-hmm. and uh, it's like, okay, I've got to find everything about this show. And I basically did. Um, but one of the things when season four, I came, think that's just being a fan. Yeah, it is. You can claim OCD is involved, but no, it's just being a fan. Yeah, that's <laughs> true. Okay, I was a fan. So. In a roundabout way, yes, I was a fan. Uh, but anyways, uh, so when season four was coming around, I realized that another friend of mine who has sadly passed away, uh, is going to be with the Lord, uh, Dana Smith, 
uh, she had posted that she was bawling her eyes up because of episode, I think it was like five. Uh, this is where Miley Stewart uh, reveals that she's Hannah Montana on TV. And um, which was a really good episode. Don't go wrong. That's where this song comes from. Or no, 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 Christian. That's the very, that's the, uh, the ending song for the series. But either way, you know, I got too much information on this show. <laughs> But I have no room <laughs> to talk. Very true. So we'll just continue. Yes. So either way, uh, Dana was a fan of the show. We kind of connected in, the, in a way of that show. And uh, I remember me like how much she loved it. And uh, she passed away. She passed away due to uh, complications. And it was, it was her decision. The whole bit. This was Dana. And, um, and then I'm, I'm walking one day. I'm thinking about Dana. Think about Dana, because Dana was just a firecracker of a human being, and uh, and I just I started thinking about it, and I just that that song pops in my head. I always remember you, and I was like, it's like yeah, that reminds me of Dana, and so I just looked it up on my uh, my phone, and I was like, okay, I played that, and then I started playing through most of the soundtracks, and uh, yeah, that's where that came from. So it was like, uh, that was more for Dana and, uh, remembering her because that's, it's very touching, very touching. That in song is very well. And so that's what it reminded me of. So that was, that was the whole reason. That's the story I want to tell you guys. So, uh, yeah. What have you been watching on that note? (laughs) No, um, I'm still working my way through the things I've been working my working my way through. Yes, I got. Uh, t- I've been going through Avatar: The Last Airbender. I've been going through uh, Star Wars: The Clone Wars because I am going to finish it this time. <laughs> I'm close. I'm almost to the end of season four. Okay, I'm getting there slowly but surely. I'm getting there. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, I did watch a movie this week. Okay. A movie that we won't review until I think, if I've looked at the schedule correctly, next year. Okay. And that is uh, Howl's Moving Castle. Ah. It's been a while since I've watched it, and I wanted to watch it again. And it helped that Retro Rewind was doing it, and I kind of wanted to watch it before they spoiled the movie and reviewing it Friday night. I uh, gotcha, I gotcha. Their gotcha. episode comes out Wednesday, I think. But anyway, I watched the movie, and it's like, hey, this is a lot better than I remember it from 10, 15 years ago when I saw it, when I was too stupid to understand why Ghibli was good. Gotcha. Let's, let's just face it. There was a point where I was like, anime is action-filled, and I hadn't quite got the... <laughs> Anime has broken my heart so many times, I can't even think straight. <laughs> but yes, right. I watched that last Friday. Um, and then I watched, I rewatched all the way through WandaVision again. Yeah. Because I'm going to be on Franchise Fatigue's uh, review of that. Not their first half, but their second half of that show. So keep an ear out for that over on their stuff. And, uh, Along with that, I watched the three sitcom episodes that they reference in the second to last episode. Yes. Which was uh, the Walnut episode from Dick Dant Van Dyke. Um, an ep- it was an episode of the Brady Bunch where 
uh, the youngest daughter girl's baby doll gets uh, stolen. I'm not going to spoil how who who stole that, but I got let's you. just say it was not who she thought it was. It was the dog. <laughs> Actually, <laughs> yes, I'm, it was. I am purely guessing here. It was the dog. <laughs> it was Tiger all along. <laughs> uh, that's the dog's name. Yeah, uh, and then the good uh, reference to the show too. And then Malcolm in the Middle, um, episode health insurance, which is funny considering every. You, you, you remember the scene from Malcolm in the Middle they showed in that? Yes, where the debt collapses on him. Mm-hmm. The entire episode prior to that point is him trying to keep everything from crashing. And that just ha- he happened to see a nail, and went to go. You know, tap it in, mm-hmm. on this and that's what caused the whole thing to collapse. Because he has no health insurance. Okay, he was supposed to mail the check in six months ago, and he can't. And the health insurance won't kick back in now. He's called him until Monday. Mm. So yeah, that was an interesting episode. Ah, uh, that kind of oddly reminds me of a scene the movie we're reviewing this week. This week, indeed. Yes, I think we'll get to it. I'm sure you'll tell me. Yeah. Anyway, uh, but that's pretty much what I've been watching. Okay. So, we need to now jump into the spoiler-free section. Yes. So, Jacob, your spoiler-free thoughts okay. on the Black Cauldron. Okay. Uh, there again, I'd probably heard about this movie. I didn't even hear about this movie growing up. I didn't hear about it until my probably my mid-20s. And uh, I was like, wait a minute. There's this film back in the 80s no one's ever watched? So I heard about it, and then just more recently, probably within the last two years, two, three years, would be like, uh, I'd recently, I'd become a member of Disney Movie Club. Uh, it's where you can go and get uh, uh, Disney films of all types and shapes and sizes. I've and, since left Disney Movie Club. And uh, <laughs> I, I saw that they had the Black Culture on DVD, and I was like, I'm buying this. So I bought it. So I watched and just absolutely just mind blown. Now, granted, I'm in my, the point I'm in like my mid mid thirties, mm-hmm. and I'm like, wow, where's this movie in my entire life? And then uh, I suggested it as a movie review for the podcast, and yeah, watching it for a second time, be like, I was thoroughly impressed with this film. It has so many very I can see where people have uh, negative points for this film. Uh, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I actually loved the film in a lot of ways. There are just brilliant moments, uh, character arcs, uh, and sometimes I just don't see. Maybe it's maybe I've got the uh, you know the the blinders on in some fashion or form, but I just really enjoy this film. Now, granted, this is only my second time watching it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think over time, it's probably grow more and more and more. And people I've actually talked to um, about this film really enjoy it if they've heard about it. So, yeah, what I recommended, yes in a heartbeat. Is it family friendly? Debatable. <laughs> <laughs> it is extremely dark. Extremely dark. And uh, there, there's the... Uh, questionable editing in this film and uh, a lot of recuts, <laughs> a lot of recuts, a lot of re animation. 
Um, and we'll, we'll get into all that when we yeah. get there. But uh, yeah, I thoroughly enjoy this movie. Is it family friendly? Debatable. What about you, Drew? Well, let me ask you this before I jump into mine because I'm understandably curious. Uh, on your copy, mm-hmm. it was in widescreen, correct? Yes. Was it in the 70 millimeter widescreen or was it just zoomed into the TV widescreen? No, it was just, no, uh, no. Were there oh. black bars on, t- on the, yes, there was letterboxing. So it was, you had it was the a letterbox. full, you had, okay. So you, we probably watched the same yeah, transcript. I watched it in Blu-ray I watched it in a high definition. Yeah. Okay. I just, I was just verifying because I, I did not know if they had, you know, skimped on that release because I was curious. No, because what I was not expecting when I hit play was for it to be, and you, you'll notice this like within the first couple seconds, I was not expecting it to be a 70 millimeter wide film. Yeah. Now I know why this film was so expensive <laughs> because <laughs> that's tough. Yeah, it was, uh, technically it was the first film that Disney ever did was in 70, 70 millimeter. Yes, and I know why they never tried it with hand-drawn animation again. Nope. Uh, but I'll get to Boom. that. I will get to that in a minute. Yeah. Uh, I wasn't expecting that. I, I, I was impressed by the smoothness of hand-drawn animation, mm-hmm. the hand-drawn animation. This You can tell that they poured a lot of money into... The frames. Yes, each individual. It felt like nearly every uh, frame in here was a keyframe. There was no in betweening. It felt like in a lot. In many instances, in some instances, which we'll get to. Yes, you can tell. Uh, (laughs) But uh, I I was impressed by the quality of the animation going into this. Um, The story is fun. Mm -hmm. It's a if. This is the kind of this is the kind of thing I would suggest showing your kids if you want it, before you show them Lord of the Rings. Agreed. Because this is very much a kid-friendly Lord of the Rings. Mm-hmm. Now, granted, I'm talking about the uh, the live-action Lord of the Rings, not the Rankin Bass Lord of the Rings, because I haven't seen that to know its quality. We'll get there. Yes, I'm trying to get a friend of mine on for that one. Okay, but anyway. Uh, yeah, this is very much a very kid friendly esque Lord of, Lord of the Rings esque film, and it works pretty well in in that vein. But I don't think I like it about it. I don't think I like it as well as you do. Okay, and I think it just comes down to uh, it being an eighties fantasy uh, movie. Yeah, and for whatever reason, the that style just doesn't quite gel with me can't tell you what that is okay but i mean yeah it, it, it's a good it's a good movie i it but i think i it is very much a niche movie agreed i this is the kind this is the kind of thing that 80s fantasy uh fans will enjoy mm-hmm. and i enjoy it to some degree but at the same time i'm sitting there going uh, some of this could have used. It doesn't feel like they worked enough of the normal Disney magic that they normally work for stuff. Mm. Because you know how technically, if you actually read things like Snow White and mm-hmm. Cinderella, yeah. and well, maybe not Pinocchio, but uh, 
you actually read a lot of these, you can tell they changed a lot. And while it's still there with the concepts yes. of those original stories, and in some in any of the cases, they make so many changes. It's almost an entirely different story than what the original fairy tale was. They did not work that kind of magic with this film because this really does feel like we are sticking fairly close to the original stories. I grant it's an adaptation. They had to change, they changed stuff. Mm-hmm. They had to find a way to make what I think is the first two books. Yes. Fit into 80 minutes. So yeah, they cut a lot of stuff and they had to change story stuff to make it work. But there's a lot of, a lot of weird things I look at and go, that's an interesting choice that I don't think Disney made. I think that's the choice of the author. And it's mostly those kind of choices in, uh, throughout this film. Mm. But it's still a good film. You should, If you've never seen it, you should definitely go watch Absolutely. it. Um, I'll get more into my dislikes when we get to that part of the spoiler section. But uh, yeah, I enjoyed it. All righty. For what it is. For what it is. All right. Anyway, this is going to be interesting. Yes, folks. this will be. Uh, so I guess that means we need to jump into the spoiler filled section as it is. So join us on the other side of the bumpers and uh, maybe we'll run into some apples. Maybe. Hopefully not some witches. Yeah. Good anyway, join us on the other side. Ray. Okay. Risk progress is a part of Christian Greek Central Network. Greek Greek Central Rock Wrong. Hey, Scoop. What are you doing, man? I don't know. I'm supposed to be reading an ad. <laughs> All right, hold on. Give me, give me it. Okay. <laughs> All right. This podcast is part of the Christian Geek Central Network at ChristianGeekCentral.com. There you can find a collection of blogs and podcasts working together to bring you some of the best content on the web for Christian geeks, such as Strangers and Aliens, a conversational podcast and blog that explores the relationship between God and man through the lens of speculative and imaginative fiction, and explores speculative and imaginative fiction through the lens of God's relationship with men. Join Ben, Dr. Jace O'Neill, and Steve McDonald a trio of Christians who are both fans and creators of story in their conversation about the intersection of faith and imagination. Do you like trivia shows but wish you could stay a little longer with the contestants? Do you wish that if those contestants didn't know the answer from memory, they could Google the answers? Do you love finding out how many of certain objects fit between the Earth and the Moon? And do you want a game show that is completely unfair? Then might I suggest The Raw Quiz Show, where Ryan Ashley Wall pits and competes against five different combatants each season to see who is the true trivia champion. And you can find it over at Pop Americana, which the podcast you're listening to is also a part of. Go to the link in the description to find out more. The following is a spoiler-filled review for the movie The Black Cauldron. Listener discretion is advised. The Black Cauldron was written and directed by Ted Berman, who also directed The Fox and the Hound, and Richard Rich, who also directed The Swan Princess. Interesting. Yes. 
Uh, it was also written by David Jones, Vance Gary, Al Wilson, Roy Morita, Peter Young, Art Stevens, Joe Hale, Rosemary Ann Sisson, Roy Edward Disney, Ta Tony Marino, Steve Hullett, Mel Shaw, Bernie Mattinson, John Musker, Ron Clements, and Doug Leffler. Because Disney was always having like nearly every single person write the, almost having every single character have their own scriptwriter. It seems like at this time, uh, it was also based on the novels by Lloyd Alexander. Uh, getting into the cast, we've got Grant Bardsley playing Taryn, and uh, Taryn. Well, both Taryn and Ellen Wee both were uh, child actors. And unlike Ellen Wee, Taryn didn't go on, you know, Grant Bardsley didn't go on to do much else, but he was, he played the character of Edgar Linton in Wuthering Heights. Okay. Uh, Susan Sheridan played Ellen Wee. And uh, in the French cartoon, I believe it's a French cartoon, or at least in the French, it looked like it was actually an anime, but it was dubbed in French. Okay. If that makes sense. Uh, and something called Moomin. And she played the title character of Moomin. Okay. I don't know what it is, but it's it's a British thing, I think, more than anything else. Uh, Freddie Jones played Dalbin. And in uh, 1984, he played uh, Thufir Hawat. He was one of uh, the... Uh, he, w he was the guy next to Patrick Stewart in all those scenes. I'll put it that way. Oh, okay. In 1984? In, when we watched that Dune over on Movie of the Week podcast. Oh, okay. I thought you said 1984. I'm like, that yeah. movie? Wait no. a minute. Dune in 1984. Oh, Dune in nineteen. I'm saying it that way because there's a Dune coming out in 2021. That is true. All right. Thank you for the clarification. Nigel Hawthorne played Fletter Flam. Fletter Flam, yes. The Bard. He played the Bard. Yes, he played the Bard. And uh, in The Madness of King George, he played George III. Hmm. Interesting. Arthur Mallet played King Idleg. Mm -hmm. I'm sure I said that name wrong. But in the movie Hook, mm -hmm. he played Tootles. He played Tootles. In the movie Hook. The one with Robin Williams mm -hmm. as Peter Pan? Yes. I think Tootles was the one that lost his marbles. That makes sense. Yes. That makes sense. John Biner was both the voice of Gurgi and uh, Dolly. Mm-hmm. And uh, apparently there, I, I remember this. There were a series of theatrical shorts. I think there's only like 11 of them, but I remember they were done by the same people who did the Pink Panther short films. Yeah. And uh, the, the, the series was called The Ant and the Aardvark. Okay. He was the voice of both the ant and the aardvark. Hmm. Interesting. Uh, Edda Reese Marin played uh, Ordu, and in the movie Ghostbusters, she played Lewis's neighbor. Huh. Adele M Malice Mori was Orwin, and in the movie Critters, she played Woman Number One. Okay. Obviously, I'm to the witches. Yes. Billy Hayes was Orgok. Okay. And in H.R. Puffin stuff, she played Witchy Poo. So she played another witch. <laughs> yes. The witch that was actually the uh, um, 
inspiration for Rita Repulsa's voice in Power Rangers. Real? Oh, oh! <laughs> you can okay. kind of hear it now. It's I a, can. It's an entirely different actress. Yes, but you can hear it. Uh, <laughs> Phil Fondacaro was Creeper and Henchman, and uh, he played Vunkar in Willow. Yes, and Ewok in Star Wars: The Return of the Jedi. John Hurt. Yes. Played the Horned King. Yes. Now, he's played a lot of characters. Yes. I could bring up the War Doctor from Doctor Who. Mm-hmm. I could bring up uh, the guy who the uh, alien face Popped out of his in, chest. Yes. Alien. And then I can talk about his cameo in uh, Spaceballs, where he played himself, who got an alien bursting out of his chest again. Not again. Exactly. <laughs> Please tell me. Please tell me you were actually quoting and you didn't just say that because you thought it'd be funny. No, I remember seeing the scene. Okay. okay. <laughs> I, I had no idea where it was from. As I saw that scene and it was like, it was from that Space- is funny. It is from Spaceballs. <laughs> okay. And he's really credited in that movie, John Hurt as John Hurt. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> but that is not actually the thing I'm mentioning. Okay. Because did you know that in the Rankin Bass Lord of the Rings movie? Okay. He played Aragorn, son of Arathorn. Really? Yes. Huh. And on top of that, uh, in uh, John Huston, who was the narrator in the prologue of this movie. Okay. In The Return of the King that Rankin Bass did Mm -hmm. in 1980, he was the voice of Gandalf. Huh. Which actually brings me into the Kingdom Hearts connections. There's actually Kingdom Hearts connections. There are two fairly interesting Kingdom Hearts connections. Okay. The first is Wayne Allwine, who was a henchman in this movie. Okay. And uh, he's the voice of King Mickey in Kingdom Hearts. (laughs) (laughs) Well, when we get to him, he will be. Right now, apparently, it was just me, because that was the only spot in which uh, I think he talks until the very end of the game. But anyway... I didn't know I could do a Mickey Mouse until Saturday, folks. But apparently I can. Uh-huh. <laughs> like, gosh, man. <laughs> the other one, Tony Anselmo, <laughs> was an assistant animator in this movie. Okay. And he is the voice of Donald Duck in Kingdom Hearts, which I know I can't do his voice. <laughs> Go back to that stream. Yeah, well... Find that clip on our Twitch. Yes. It's funny. It yeah, is it is funny. funny. Uh, but anyway, that is our Kingdom Hearts connection. Oh, that was hilarious. So, um, what do we got in info and stuff? Like, gosh. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's almost like between Shaggy and, and Goofy. Goofy. It's not quite there, it's but it's close. It's not quite there, but it's close. Either way, for info and stuff, you can watch it right now on Disney+. Plus. Thank you. You mm-hmm. uh, on IMDb, it has a score of six point four out of ten. So, eh. uh, on Rotten Tomatoes, has a score of fifty five and an audience score of forty eight. Production, and I'm gonna get this right: Walt Disney see. Pictures, Walt Disney Feature Animation, and Screen and Silver Screen P- Partners. Distributed by Bonavista Distri- uh, Distribution. It's release date. Now, granted, it had an original release date of December 20, December 84, but was delayed due to re-edits and reanim- reanimated scenes. 
it's re-release. Its release was on July 26, 1985. Its box office, its estimated budget, uh, its estimated budget was 44 million dollars. Its opening weekend, I <laughs> was 4.1 million dollars. Its U.S. its domestic gross was 21.2 million. And its worldwide gross was the exact same. No wonder this movie was blackballed. Yeah. It's home release. Following many, uh, many requests from fans, the Black Cauldron was released on VHS in the United Kingdom, get this, in 1995. Or 1997. So think about it, that's nearly, that's 10 plus years. Yeah. It never had a release before that. So in the United States, it was released a year later in August 4th, 1998, as a part of the Walt Disney Masterpiece Collection. Uh, it was later uh, released um, in the year 2000 as a part of the Walt Disney Gold Collection. Um this featured many shorts and all those good stuff. In 2008, it was released on a special DVD release. Um, and yeah, apparently it was supposed to be a release in 2009, but that release never came out. Uh, it was re-released for a 25th anniversary on September 14th, 2010 in the United States and the UK. Um, I think that's the one I own, and that does contain a deleted scene, which is a very long scene. Uh, so that was released, uh, which features all from the year 2000. And uh, 2020, the movie is released in 4K on Disney+. Plus. And in 2021, Disney announced that a Blu-ray copy of the movie will is exclusively being distributed by... Disney Movie Plus, it was released May 4th, 2021. Okay. And there are no sequels. I know Disney has been in uh, well limbo of doing a I, uh, live action. There is a rumor, but we'll get to, I'll get to that here in a couple minutes. Right. So let's go ahead and jump into the summary. Yes. In the land of Prydain, Taryn, a teenage boy and assistant pig keeper on the small farm of Care Dalbin, home of Dalbin the Enchanter, Dreams of becoming a famous warrior. Dalbin learns the evil horned king is searching for a mystical relic known as the Black Cauldron, which can create an invincible army of undead warriors, the Cauldronborn. Dalbin fears the horned king might use his pig, Henwen, who has oracular powers, to locate the cauldron. Dalbin directs Terran to take Henwen to safety. Unfortunately, Terran's foolish daydreaming causes Henwen to be captured by... Uh, Gwithanks, the Horned King's dragon-like creatures. Mm -hmm. Terran follows them to the Horned King's castle and meets the pestering dog-like creature Gurgi, who wants to be his friend. Frustrated by Gurgi's antics and cowardice, Terran leaves him. Terran sneaks into the castle and helps Henwen escape, but is captured and thrown into the dungeon. Another captive, another captive named Princess Elenwi frees him as she tries to escape. In the catacombs underneath the castle, Terran and Elenwi discover the ancient burial chamber of a king. 
Terran arms himself with the King's Sword, which contains magic that allows him to effectively fight the Horned King's minions, thus fulfilling his dream. Along with a third prisoner, the comical middle-aged bard, Fluetter Flam, they escape from the castle and are found by Gurgi. Upon learning Terran escaped, the Horned King orders his goblin, Creeper, to send the Gwythaints to follow Terran. Following Henwin's trail, the four companions stumble into the underground kingdom of the Fair Folk, who have Henwin under their protection. When the kindly King Idleleg reveals the cauldron's location, Terran decides to destroy it. Elenwi, Gurgi, and Fluetter agree to join him, and Idleleg's obnoxious right-hand man Dolly is assigned to lead them to the marshes of Morva, where the Fair Folk escort Henwin back to Ker Dalbin. At Morva, they learn the cauldron is held by three witches, the crafty leader Ordu, the greedy Orgok, and the more benevolent Orwin, who falls in love with Fluetter at first sight. Ordu agrees to trade the cauldron for Terran's sword, and he reluctantly agrees, knowing it will cost his chance for heroism. Before vanishing, the witches reveal the cauldron is indestructible, and its power can only be broken when someone willingly climbs into it, which will kill them. Dolly angrily abandons the group, although Terran feels foolish for trading his sword for nothing, his companions show their belief in him, and Elenwi and Terran almost kiss. Suddenly, they are found by the Horned King's minions who followed them. Gurgi runs away before they take the cauldron and companions back to the castle. The Horned King uses the cauldron to raise the dead, and his cauldron-born army begins to pour out into the world. Gurgi, deciding not to abandon his friends, sneaks into the castle and rescues them. Terran decides to jump into the cauldron to save everyone, but Gurgi stops him and jumps in instead, killing the cauldron-born. When the Horned King spots Terran, he blames him, saying Terran has interfered for the last time, and throws the youth toward the cauldron. But the cauldron is run out of control and consumes the Horned King in a tunnel of fire, killing him and destroying the castle, using up all its powers forever as the companions escape. The three witches come to recover the now inert Black Cauldron. However, Terran has finally realized Gurgi's true friendship and asks them to revive his friend in exchange for the cauldron choosing to give up his magical sword permanently. Upon hearing Fluetter's challenging remarks to demonstrate their powers, the reluctant witches honor the request for turning Gurgi to them. At first, Gurgi appears to be dead, but is resurrected. After they reunite, he pushes Terran and Elenwi into a kiss. The four friends then journey back to Ker Dalbin, where Dalbin and Dolly watch them in a vision created by Henwin, and Dalbin finally praises Terran for his heroism. Getting into the trivia for this film. This is the first Disney animated film that's not a musical or, or contain any songs neither performed by the characters nor in the background. This video, this film re received no video release until 1998 during due to its dark content. Mm -hmm. I think you're... The management team at Walt Disney Productions changed during this movie's post-production in 1984. Jeffrey Katzenberg, mm -hmm. then newly installed chairman of the Walt Disney Studios Motion Picture Division, screened the nearly completed movie, and he was appalled by its darkness and graphic nature. He suggested editing the movie, and when producer Joe Hale protested, because animated movies are typically not edited in post-production the same way live-action movies are, Katzenberg responded by having the movie brought into an edit bay and editing it himself. Informed of what Katzenberg was doing by Hale, Michael Eisner, then newly installed CEO and chairman of Walt Disney Productions, called Katzenberg in the editing room and convinced him to stop. 
Though he did what Eisner insisted, Katzenberg requested that the movie be modified and a compromise deal was reached. Katzenberg then delayed its scheduled Christmas 1984 release to July 1985 so that the movie could be reworked. Had it not, had it not gone through the, the many last minute drastic changes, the movie would have held the distinction of being the only full-length Disney animated movie and the first movie released under the Walt Disney Pictures banner to be rated either PG-13 or R by the MPAA. After several months of hard work, the final cut ultimately received a PG rating from the MPAA, the first for a Disney animated movie, and the only one until Dinosaur in 2000. First full-length Disney animated movie since Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs in 1937 to have completed scenes cut prior to release and is known by many as the movie Disney tried to bury. Fans of the fantasy genre and this movie have tried many times to get the deleted footage restored. This was the first Walt Disney movie to feature the classic Walt Disney Pictures logo the white castle and text over a blue field. This logo would be used until the new CGI logo was introduced with Pirates of the Caribbean Dead Man's Chest in 2006. During the beginning, when Dalbin uses Henwin's magic to find the Horned King, the first image that appears in the water was a recycled section from the Night on Bald Mountain sequence from Fantasia in 1940. The, this is the first Disney movie to have full closing credits with music and the first to have any sort of closing credits since Alice in Wonderland in 1951, which only featured a voice cast, despite it already appearing in the opening credits, only featuring the voice actor and actress's names without the ones they voice. The movie was Walt Disney's Pictures' first full-length animated movie to be filmed in widescreen format, as well as in the super- Technorama 70 widescreen 70 millimeter film process since Sleeping Beauty in 1959. Movies released in between involved matting of the top and bottom of the filmed image in order to make a widescreen image suitable for movie theaters. This movie is notable for being the first full length Disney animated movie to incorporate computer graphics imagery in its animation. The CGI was utilized for a lot of the special effects, which included the bubbles, a boat, a floating orb of light, the cauldron, the realistic flames seen near the end of the movie, and the boat that Taryn and his friends used to escape the castle. The dimensions and volume of the animated objects were fed into a computer, and then their shapes were manipulated through computer programming before they were transferred as physical outlines the animators could work on. Despite this movie being released a year before The Great Mouse Detective in 1986, both were in production simultaneously, and the computer graphics for the latter film were done first. When producer Joe Hale heard about what was being done, the possibilities made him excited, and he made the crew from The Great Mouse Detective create some computer animation for his own movie. For other effects, animator Don Paul used live-action footage of dry ice mists to create the steam and smoke coming out of the cauldron. Tim Burton's only other involvement with a full-length Disney animated mm. film before he became a filmmaker in his own right. He did, however, produce three short films for Disney before The Black Cauldron's debut, which were Vincent, Frankenweenie, and Hansel and Gretel. Mm. There is an urban legend 
that despite the movie's failure in the U.S., it was popular in Japan. So much so that the creator of the Legend of Zelda series, Shigeru Miyamoto, Mm -hmm. based a lot of the game's elements on the movie. And I can see that in some spots. Uh, The production of this movie can be traced back to 1971, when Walt Disney Pictures purchased the screen rights to Lloyd Alexander's The Chronicles of Prydain. This movie took over 12 years to make, five years of actual production, and cost over $25 million. Over 1,000 different hues and colors were used, and 35 miles of film stock Mm -hmm. was utilized. In 2016, it was reported that Walt Disney Pictures had, once again, purchased the movie rights to the Chronicles of Prydain from what was now the estate of the late Lloyd Alexander. Given the popularity of fantasy adaptations such as The Lord of the Rings and Harry Potter and Disney's recent acquisition of franchises such as Star Wars and the Marvel titles, Disney may intend to adapt the entire five-book series rather than just a standalone movie. However, that is just a rumor. Mm -hmm. Last but not least, when the Horned King activates the power of the Black Cauldron, the sound of the NASA Space Shuttle's solid rocket booster being ready-fired was used. Mm. And that brings me to the end of the trivia for this huh. episode. I, for this movie. I did notice you didn't miss one thing. Oh, what did I miss? This was the 25th full-length animated Disney feature. I, I did miss that. And what's interesting about that, I will bring that up, now that you say that, it took, what, 50, nearly 50 years for them to go from 1 to 25. Yeah. But only 30 years to go from 25 to 50. Yeah. Well, also Which animation. interesting. Yeah, animation be like it's back then. It's gotten a lot easier. But it's gotten a lot easier to think about the fact that most films took four, like, Black Cauldron took how many years to make? Five years of actual production. Five years. Most films would be like then took four to five years to create. Yeah. Now, now they, they've gotten it down do it to about like a year. Three, they can do it about in a two, rush. Two and a half to three years. Yeah. Just how advanced well, part uh, of animation that, is. Become. Part of that was the use of, uh, the introduction of the cap system. Very true. Two or three movies after this. And uh, then, of course, more digital stuff nowadays. It's gotten a lot cheaper to make these movies, too. Mm-hmm. Agreed. But yeah. Uh, what is your first like of this movie? My first like... This movie has stunning animation. Absolutely incredible. Like, the, the fact that you use... Like you actually have like an like uh, the scene I come to is where uh, Tarin and Elwyn are in the dungeon, mm-hmm. and uh, Elwyn's little uh, light friend—I guess it's a fairy or no—it's magic. It's some something connected to her psychic abilities. Yeah, because it's not mentioned in this, but she is from a long line of mystics. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of some kind. Well, in the movie, she says it's magic. Yeah. But uh, the that entire scene is where be like one it's a dark it's a dark lit area but that orb be like is casting shadows all over the place on the characters on mm-hmm. the grounds you see the character shadows like for how much money they put into this movie it's incredible the uh, like you look at the detail be like um, 
like you said before, be like the the go betweens, be like every single frame is just. Now, granted, there are some mistakes. There are some mistakes in this film, obviously, because yeah. it's hand drawn, and every animated film has has problems. But yeah, there, it seems like there's very little tweening in this movie. No, it's just be like it's full boards, amazing animation. Uh, I'm curious where you're saying the uh, rotoscoping came in. Oh, I'm bringing that up. Okay, in a minute. Uh, but overall, the animation in this movie is fan stinking tastic. It just blew my mind. So. Yeah, my first is the animation. Well, I'll jump on that and mention that uh, I may be using the wrong term for rotoscoping because I've been wrong before. I'll be wrong again. Okay. But a lot of the rotoscoping that was used for the magical effects, along mm. with the other compositing yes. that was done for that, uh, I like how it kind of gave it an otherworldly feel. Because mm-hmm. uh, in comparison, it's like you're seeing... It kind of makes the... it's Okay, so... It's a 2D film, of course. Yes. And yet it's got these 3D elements that kind of... At first might feel at odds. Yeah. With everything in the film. Until you get to thinking about... No, this is just the easiest way you can kind of... Show... It would be the equivalent of, in our world, seeing something in four dimensions. Yes. It's there, but it's like it doesn't quite make sense, and that's kind of how it works. Is the magic, in a lot of cases, should not just be energy blasts. In, mm-hmm. my, in my feeling, it should feel, it should feel otherworldly. How you don't really know what it is you're looking at. Okay, and I feel like this simulates that in many ways because yeah, we're looking at it as, oh, it's it's, three D uh, smoking smoke effects coming out of the cauldron. Mm-hmm. Um. Uh, the the CG is in there. Uh, I mean, it, it, it just gives us, it, there's these moments in there where it does feel like because we're looking at more real objects yeah. than what the rest of the movie is showing, that it makes it feel just otherworldly enough that it's interesting. Mm-hmm. That it kind of works that way. But yeah, that's, that's part of what I like. Okay. What's your number two? Like. All right, my second like would be now. Granted, this one's kind of a tie, so I, I didn't know where to put both of these, but uh, I kind of just threw them both into into uh, the second. All right, so would be uh, our lost our lost Disney princess, uh, Princess Eloise. Uh, I like her the fact that like the the character says in the movie, like when they finally get out of. Um, the, the Horn King's um, castle be like, if it wasn't for her, he'd be still sticking, still sitting in the dungeon. Yeah. The, the fact that she is very much uh, like when she, when Tarn is giving her grief over, over whatever is going on, she just lets him have it. I'm like, Oh my gosh. Be like, you never see a Disney princess do that ever. Mm-hmm. And uh, like, get my bow up, but like not like get in someone's face about it. And the fact that Flynn is trying to tell the both of them to be quiet, like, you know, just, you know, stop this, you know, nonsense. And she's just like bucks up on him. I'm like, oh my gosh, you never see that. <laughs> I was like, wow, this is a very proactive before you had proactive Disney princesses. And I, I was just like, whoa, okay. That's interesting. Cause I didn't, I, I didn't uh, click. I didn't click onto that until uh, this second viewing. 
And this is, I was like, okay, that's interesting. Why don't people talk about that in this film? They never do. And I just, I found that so fascinating. I was like, wow. And be like, she, she's the one who basically gets our main character out of his own situation. And, uh, now granted, she's not the hero of the story, but she's very much a proactive character. She's not, mm-hmm. she's not the damsel in the stress. She's not, um, the lovesick girl. No, she got kidnapped by the, the, the horn king because of her magic. And uh, try to use her to, you know, find the black cauldron. And I was like, okay, that's interesting. And uh, there's a lot of that just I found very fascinating how how the... the now, there's a part of me, I really want to find, you know, um, find the audio version of these books and read them. Because they sound yeah. really, really good with, with watching this film. And my second one would be, it's actually the fun, my funny, the my favorite part of the movie is where uh, Flim is turned to a frog. <laughs> okay. Okay, so the, the scene I'm describing is where our group is told, you need to go to here to find the cauldron. Mm-hmm. So they come to this, um, this witch's home, and uh, they, they mistakenly release all the frogs who are humans, and the witches come out and be like, we're going to turn you on the toads, and uh, we're turning you to toads and eat you. So uh, apparently, one of the witches have gets an instant crush on Flim, <laughs> and I I, just, I found myself laughing so hard of uh, poor Flim's situation of where this this uh, this uh, this witch who just is so infatuated with him that she is just like all over him like peanut butter and jelly. And it's just, I find it hilarious when Devil turns into a frog and he disappears. I'm not going to describe the scene. Just go watch yeah. it. It is hysterical. <laughs> I, I I was sitting there laughing my head off. I was like, oh my gosh, they would never do that in a million years nowadays. But thank the Lord they did in the 80s. This was the perfect scene. I laughed my head off so hard. And I guarantee my upstairs neighbors were like, what in the world is this? Cooper talk laughing about, <laughs> but uh, I, I I found that scene absolutely hysterical. The fact that we we have our our comedy relief character who has been turned into a frog, he's been smitten by this this witch, and she cannot keep her paws her 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 uh, her, her witchy hands off of him. <laughs> And I just, I died watching that scene there again, go watch the film. It's available on Disney plus go watch it. You'll you'll know exactly what scene I'm talking about. You know exactly the moment I'm talking about. You will laugh your ever living head off. Let's go watch this movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, that is my second. What are you? I love the fact that this uses 70 millimeter, uh, anime, uh, film for, okay. it's, for it's, uh, for, a. It's aspect ratio. Okay. Because here's the thing. What I mentioned earlier on the trivia about how other films got the widescreen effect by uh, cropping off the top and bottom of the shot. Mm-hmm. There's a different feel to that because that's not how they were animating it. Yeah. Here, they knew exactly how much space they had across the entire scene. 
to anime, and it gives it this epic feel. Mm. It's this movie started off, and my first thought was, "This is Lord of the Rings in animated form, made by somebody else," because mm-hmm. it kind of has that feel to it. It's you get the, you get this feeling of large, like I expect this to be on a big screen. Yeah, uh, a lot of the Disney animated films. Even today, I'll say, mm-hmm. really do feel like they were really designed to be seen on a sixteen by nine television <laughs> or a four by three television, but designed for television more than the movie theater. There's things on the movie theater you do see, and that make much much of it better. But there's the feel of being large and epic is not there, and e- even in some of the some of the what I would consider large and epic films since then, such as um, uh, Lion King and Mm -hmm. uh, some shots of Beauty and the Beast. Um, Even newer stuff like Frozen, too. Mm -hmm. And Frozen, for that matter. Heck, even Tangled has some of this. That it, It is missing some of this. This feel that this movie has Mm -hmm. by having this big wide format, it just feels like you're in for a epic movie along the lines of the Ten Commandments or Mm -hmm. Ben Hur or um, or even or even something like uh, The Sound of Music, stuff like that. It has that feel like this is a big epic movie. That's a lot of times you don't even get in movies anymore. True, and I, I appreciate that they they went to the for for this. At least they thought ahead. It's like this needs to be as epic as we can make it. Agreed. Because this is, I would actually say this is probably the uh, the swan song of classic Disney. Agreed. You get right down to because after this, don't get me wrong, you get things like as we both talked about how much we liked Great Mouse Detective. Yes. It is a different feel. Oh yeah, film. Uh, and all of yeah, and and all of company, and of course, Little Mermaid, which, like you pointed out in that review, was edited in portable buildings. Yes, it was. So it's like very much Disney was at. It's after this point that it feels like Walt Disney, the Walt Disney Company, had lost faith in animation and was just trying to get everything out that they had in production. Yeah, pretty and, much. And were and it's after this they got the cap system to make this stuff cheaper to make. Mm-hmm. So yeah, there's 3D in this, but it's it's this is very early on that stuff. This is this feels like this had to have been the movie where they pulled out all the stops, and it was after this Disney lost faith in what made them famous. Yeah, agreed. And it wouldn't be until you get to Little Mermaid and. I guess technically Beauty and the Beast was the next big one after that. Yes. Am I right in thinking that? Um, yeah. Re- that really, that that cemented, no, animation is still something we can fo- We need to focus on. Oh, yeah. And it's still a major component of, oh, Rescuers Down Under is in there, too. Yeah, it's keeping but, after right after. But this is something we do need to keep doing, and it can make money, even if, and be made, because that's after this, the movies start coming out faster. Yes. This movie took five years to come out 
And there's all, and in the nineties, you got stuff, I mean, the, the Renaissance, as they call it, the Disney Renaissance, you get little, uh, starting with Little Mermaid, and then you've got uh, Beauty and the Beast, and two years after that, you got Lion King. Two years after that, you got, what, Pocahontas is after that? Mm, I think so. And then two years after that, you got other stuff, and then when we were in high school, it seemed like Disney had a movie coming out nearly every year. They did. Until Home on the Range kind of screwed that up. <laughs> so... And it's only been recently. We've, I think we've. Re- it's only been the last couple of years. We've Disney's even, and that's when Disney went into their second dark age. Yeah. And now we're we've come back out of that into whatever you call this current age. That's second golden age. Second golden age. It's still. Like I said, this feels like this is the swan song. This is the final huzzah. Of the type of animation that Disney had been doing since mm-hmm. Snow White, where you do it the old-fashioned way, you are there. Are, every, everything you do to it is to make it better, not to make it cheaper. If it makes it cheaper, great. If it doesn't, that's not. If it doesn't, oh well, that's not what we were going for anyway. Right. It's after this that things that that Disney films start almost getting a cheap feeling. This is still you can feel the money in this. Yeah. That there's a lot of money in this. Yeah, but it's after this that, but this is the last one I think where you can feel the money. Yeah, how agreed. how how much money is spent on because it's after this, you can start seeing real shortcuts to keep the to keep, but still keeping a consistent quality. With, I mean, we never get back to Oliver and Company where two dogs just disappear out of nowhere. That is in a shot. That's true, but uh, it's after this that they just start doing stuff that's you know it has a little bit more of a. Cheap is not the right word. They try to be more efficient. It becomes less about the artwork, even though there's a lot of artistry that's and a lot of artwork goes into this. But you can tell Disney up there, the people in charge of Disney at this point, mm-hmm. they're not worried about how the quality of the film is much. If it's a good quality film, great. If not, oh well. They're more concerned with is this movie going to make it out on time and is it going to make us bukus of money? Yeah. And Katzenberg being in charge of this, I think, was the start of it. Yeah, what what if you if you watch the uh, the behind the scenes, the uh, the featurette for the Little Mermaid, it was more how I think it was one of the directors that said that when he started at Walt Disney, it was I mean like you walked in, it was a bunch of guys in cardigans and sweaters, and it was just you went, you did your work. When Katzenberg came in, you had to answer for everything. It was be like it was people yelling and screaming to get their job to get their points done. It was basically you be like you got to make it work. You got this budget. You got this time. Everything it was very structured. So like you had to perform. It wasn't you could take you could take five years like doing with Cauldron. But, like you had three years to do a film. And if it you didn't get done, it got released in whatever form you left it in. In some if, regards, or it would be canceled. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, in that regard, be I like mean, I don't think they let anything with like sketches still make it. No, 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 no. No, but uh, yeah, this I mean like it would be it would be finished cheap. As it would be slapped together to be finished. To yeah, out. exactly. Yeah, it's, and that's part of what caps the cap system allowed them to do was actually release the stuff mm-hmm. faster. Agreed. Do the work faster. Agreed. But. It was no longer the old hand-drawn cellu- cellular mm-hmm. animation. It was 
really that's the start of two, of CG two D animation is is with the cap system, even though that was mainly meant for coloring. Mm-hmm. But anyway, your third like because we're still in likes, believe it or not. Yes, we are actually. All right, so my third like is actually the redemption arcs of two different characters, and that would be <laughs> Taryn and Gurgi. Okay. Okay. So Taryn starts off as this character who is fed up with his life. He's fed up with his life of being a pig keeper. He he hates being a pig farmer. He hates he has to put up with this stupid pig, and he feels like his life must be bigger. His uh, if, if he had a song, it would come here, but he doesn't. So imagine luke skywalker staring off into binary sunsets yeah pretty much kind of that pretty much he's kind of like a Luke skywalker character but as the story progresses progresses like you you have this these moments where you know, like he starts to realize that like whoa this is a lot bigger than i think it is and uh, like the same thing where gurgi gurgi pops out of nowhere and he's this annoying little rat who is just uh, a coward as a uh, Tarwin would call him. And, uh, like he has no real redeeming quality. He's, he's this, he's a, he's an op, optimistic, uh, character who all his, his goal is, is his next munchie. (laughs) And so it's this, this idea that these two characters do grow throughout the story where Tarwin realizes that, um, that he realized his his station in his life is important. That you know, I like at the when uh, Gurgi gives up his life in order to uh, to end the madness of the the cauldron's reign. Mm-hmm. Um, it it brings Tarwin to a mom, a point where that I'm not a hero. I'm not a hero. Gurgi was, and like I don't deserve a sword. Be like, I, I'm not, I'm not this big grand hero. Be like, I, I, I realize my place in life, and it's, it's not to be like, oh, you should be a pig farmer your entire life. He just, he realizes his dreams and ambitions are not what he's supposed to be. Mm-hmm. But he's still a hero in his own right. But uh, that's the thing with Gurgi. Gurgi gives up his life from from this character who is very. Um, very selfish, very much about himself. Um, instantly runs away from anything that is danger. Mm-hmm. And uh, to the point where uh, Tarwin is going to give up his life in order to stop stop the cauldron. So the, stop the cauldron born. And Gurgi insists on it. He winds up jumping into the cauldron. And it's like, that's... Uh, I thought it was just very poetic very poetic that you have the character who's the, the most cowardice character in the story is one who gives up his own life mm-hmm. in order to save his friends. And uh, like even the point where Gurgi realizes that he is doing this for friends that even though he's never had friends, I mean like, these are people who like uh, he's like, they, they are very annoyed by him. But the fact that he, like he gives up his his life, and and then you go to um, Tarwin, who 
when the witches come back and be like, okay, we have a bargain. Be like, we, we will give you your sword. We will give you your sword that you can become this great warrior. And he realizes, be like, that's not me. That's not me. We, we kind of, we all have that kind of struggle. It's like, we want to be this high aspiration in life. And sometimes it's like, hey, it's second groceries at a grocery store. Mm -hmm. It's not be like, you're not the CEO of the company. And, um, and the fact to be like, he gives up his, his dream, his, his, uh, his selfish desire just to, you know, get Gurry back. And I, I found that very compelling. And I, I enjoyed that part. It was so, I, I thought it was such a great character dynamic or a great character uh, moment for him that he realized to be like, hey, I'm not the hero I, I want to be. And uh, Gurgi was. Gurgi was the one who laid down his life for his friends. Mm -hmm. Kind of like a certain savior we all serve. <laughs> yes. Uh, we both serve, let's say that. Um, but yeah, I, I enjoyed the fact that be like these two characters have a very interesting arc in their uh, their motivations and where they're where where they are at the very end of the film. That's my number three. All right. Part of me wants to jump into my first dislike, but I will go ahead and do my last <laughs> like. Go for it. And that is the fact that Henwin is best pig. I got you. If Gigi the cat is best cat, which I think we both agree with still. Yes, agreed. Henwin is best pig because Henwin is just cute. Agreed. Is cuddly. In, many, in a strange way, is very cuddly. Um, and you don't want Henwin to come to any harm. No, because you don't. She's an innocent and all this. She just happens to be unlucky enough to be able to be hypnotized into causing a vision. Yeah. Uh, and I just like the character. The character doesn't speak, thankfully. I think that would actually spoil it. Yes, I agree. But uh, I just like the character of Henwin because it's like, yeah, I kind of want to cuddle with that pig in a way. <laughs> Totally get it. So I yeah, totally get it. Henwin is best pig. Agreed. And if it's all right, I'm going to jump into my first dislike. Go for it. Because uh, like your second like, it involves a character. A very furry character. Mm. That you liked his redemption arc. Mm -hmm. But I don't like him at all. Okay, then. I don't like Gurgi. Okay. Gurgi feels like Discount Gollum. <laughs> It sounds horrible. I, I agree. But, oh, man, do I hate his character so stinking much. Because here's the thing. He's very... He, the reason Gollum works in Lord of the Rings mm -hmm. is because you can feel the uh, the the double... The, the two-sidedness of yes. him. That whole thing. Gurgi is just there and is mostly annoying for the most of the film. I got you. To the point where it's like... When I realized, oh, Gurgi's going to sacrifice himself, I thought, don't be a hero, Gurgi. Don't be a hero. I don't want to have any good feelings for you. I want to hate you. <laughs> I was like, I had a feeling. It's like, okay, he's going to be the one who's going to give himself up. Please but tell why? me this is one of those films and the reason why people, uh, Disney hated it was because they didn't give it a happy ending. Please. Crap. They gave it the happy ending. I was most scared was going to happen. I hate Gurgi. <laughs> He's annoying. His voice. And here's the weird thing. I had, like, as we said, 
I had never seen the movie before this point. It's a little okay. hard to. But I'd heard Gurgi before. Okay. On some VH, I don't know if it was a VHS tape. I don't know if I heard it on like a preview that you know. Matt, I think it was. It had to be a preview trailer that Disney had on the front of one of their mo- one of their VHSs, yeah. or maybe one of their DVDs, where um, you know it cut together different clips. Mm-hmm. Well, there was one you know, that clip in there where Gurgi says. Wow, mm. is the only scene I recognize because I know I saw it a couple times. Yeah, when I was a kid, I had to have seen it when I was a kid because I, it doesn't have that same little jump. But I remember hearing that go, "Oh, that's what this movie's from." I hate this character, <laughs> <laughs> and I remember, I remember liking, thinking that I wonder what that's from. That's an interesting looking dog talking dog thing. Mm. And then I watched this movie last. Uh, last Thursday, I think. Maybe it was last Friday. Maybe been. It might have been last Wednesday. Whenever I watched it last week, and I just remember going, "I hate this character. <clears throat> this character is." And here's the thing: I might have liked it had I not seen Lord of the Rings. Okay. Because I, because like I said, my biggest issue with this character is that he's discount Gollum before Andy Circus had ever portrayed the character. Yeah. Admittedly. Andy Serkis may have been inspired by Gurgi for all I know. I don't know if that's true. I'm just kind of guessing because it, it seems oddly similar. But his version of the gray creature who sacrifices himself, except with Gollum, it was not really an intentional sacrifice. No, was- but, <laughs> but of this character, it's like, I like his version better. And since I've much like how we like, I liked Princess Mononoke. I didn't like uh, Nausicaa because yeah. I'd seen Princess Mononoke and I thought it's the same story but better. Yeah. Which I'm looking forward to when we do get to Princess Mononoke. I think that's this year. Um, I've seen this character done better. Okay. And it was with Andy Circus as Gollum, not this guy as Gurgi. In fact, I liked the other the other. Uh, character he voiced in this movie, mm. Bully, I mm. liked better. Okay, he was funny. Bully right. was, was funny, but Gurgi, it's like, oh good, he got away from him. Get out of the castle, Gurgi's back. Uh, <laughs> he's back. <laughs> he's not Jar Jar bad. Okay, okay. I, I I will give him that much. It is not Jar Jar bad, but it still is like, uh, go away. <laughs> I don't like you. Anyway, Gurgi is my first dislike. <laughs> Just the entire character of Gurgi. All right. I'm not saying you don't have a point with his redemption arc, mm-hmm. but I don't like Gurgi the character. Oh, uh, okay. <laughs> Your first dislike, sir. All right. So I'm going to, like, looking at my notes right now, I'm going to merge. I didn't give you anything to jump off of, Jedi. No, you didn't. You didn't. Because <laughs> we had two different polar opposites. Feeling uh, of, the of, character. of this character, which is totally it fine. It, it does. Uh, I'm going to merge my two and three together because they, they are the same thing. Uh, so after this, I need to throw. Oh, you, you've, yeah, man, this is your first no, I'm just merging the two because they, they're basically yeah. the same thing. Uh, okay. The Horn King. The Horn King, we hear all these, like he's this terrible ruler. And when we meet him, he does nothing. 
Like, yeah, he he chokes out his minion, and he he summons the the uh, the cauldron born. I have a suspicion mm-hmm. that in the original uncut version, yeah, that's one. That's one. He what I'm did more. I would agree with you. So I'll blame this one on Katzenberg. Mm. But anyway, it's a theory. I don't know. I would, I would agree with I've you. I've not seen the footage. Well, hold on. Like, yeah, this is this is my this is my first this is my first my second one's gonna be uh, another one, but I'll get to it when I get yeah. there. Um, so the the in this version of the film, this version of the film it ties in my 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 second and third, uh, my my third actually, whichever. Because uh, I I looked at my schedule because there again I'm slightly dyslexic, so yeah. I saw everything in the reverse order. <laughs> so either way, it happens. It happens. So, in that regard, uh, the the Horned King is built up as this great menace. And when we finally meet him, it's kind of a downer. Like, yeah, he's design-wise, animation-wise, great. Voice-wise, yes, he's voiced by John Hunt. Hurt. Hurt. John Hurt. And, like, this is all great material. But he doesn't do anything. He just he he one he chokes out his his own men. He he summons the cauldron born, and then he gets sucked into the cauldron, which is a great scene. It's just like right. But remember how that if you remember how that scene played out, he's like, "You've you've destroyed my plans for the last, last time." time. Three, yeah. two, one. Oh no, I'm getting sucked in. in. It's like okay, and you you almost feel the cut. Yeah, you can. There's a cut there. You know, there, there I know there's, a, a, there's a cut. There's a cut there. I, I didn't even have to know where the cuts were to feel that cut. It was like, oh, th- this didn't this didn't flow right. No, this it doesn't flow right. At, y'all didn't even clean clean this up like I know you did some of the other cuts. Yeah, where you at least reanimated stuff to make it flow better. Yeah, this one you left the it's you can't see him jump from one frame to the other, but it kind of feels like he does. Yeah, because it's like. We missed a lot there. Yeah, because actually one of the deleted scenes in this film was actually there was a much more stra- drawn out scene between him and Tarin. Yeah. It makes sense that there's got to be a fight. There, There is a fight scene, but they cut it. So now in this movie, it's literally you're building this terrible horned king who all he does, like I said before, and then he just like gets pulled into the cauldron. That's it. Mm. And the, 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 the climactic battle, it's not there. Yeah. Like there's like, um, yeah, Tarwin to be like, he literally like Tarwin starts to get up and there's nothing. Yeah. And he crawls away. I'm like, this makes no sense. I mean, like, it's just it's so anticlimactic. It's like, okay, that's our villain. Kind of a. I wouldn't say a lame duck and be like, it's this great buildup well, of who he is. But when we see him, it's just nothing. Well, it's because that is because as we all know, mm-hmm. your own, your hero is only as good as, as your, your villain, villain is evil. Mm-hmm. We see John hurt grumble at the beginning and he gets the cauldron born going. Uh huh. Before the cauldron born can even really get anything done, yeah, they're gone. So it's like by cutting out so much of the ending of this film, mm-hmm. Katzenberg did really completely ruin the film. 
Yeah, agreed. Because and, in context, it's like, shoot, you could have sent anybody to do this. Yeah. Because the guy's inept. Agreed. This version of the character is very inept. Yeah, I would agree with you. And be like, if you if you listen to the soundtrack, when where obviously there's a cut, be like, you oh, can yeah. you can hear because the, the soundtrack is then off. Because mm-hmm. it actually cuts off like a couple of seconds before it's supposed to. Yeah. And it's so awkward. Mm-hmm. And it just, I mean, like, it made the end of this film just so kind of meh. Yeah. Like, yeah, our, we our, don't our, even get an attack off of no, him. No, we don't. He gets sucked into the into the cauldron. Yeah, exactly. And be like, and yeah, we get our characters. They 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 all survive. Gorgi, uh, Gorg- Gorgi gets his stupid redemption, uh, stupid uh, resurrection. Right. I'm sorry. I know you don't like Gorg- Gorgi. Uh, the thing with Gorgi is, as much as I don't like the character. Yeah. I would have been fine with his sacrifice. How did he not come back? <laughs> and that doesn't mean, and it's not because of how much I dislike Gurgi. Mm-hmm. It's like this whole film, I would actually like to call, call it the anti Disney. Okay. Because so much of this is anti what Disney was doing up to this point. Yeah. And they're actually telling a dark, hard story. Yeah. And because it's dark, a dark story, a dark heart story. I think the sacrifice should have been allowed to stand. In reality, yeah, I'm sure the act of dying was not easy on Gurgi. Yeah, it was horrible and it felt bad. But it's like I was actually so stinking happy. No, this sounds bad. I know mm-hmm. it does. I was so happy Gurgi <laughs> had died, was still still dead when they brought his body back. Yeah, it's like oh good, they're not going to. And all of a sudden he grabs the apple and what looks like oh. We needed to bring him back, but we don't want to animate him coming back to life. It's like, Katzenberg! <laughs> I know this is your doing! Oh, You man. had to let the, make the characters have a happy ending. <laughs> uh, so, like, watch, watching that scene, like, when, like, you see Cor- Gorgie's Corgi. I keep calling Corgi. <laughs> Why do I keep calling Corgi? Because he's a dog! <laughs> he's a Gorgie. dog! He's a Gorgie. dog man! The minute he talked, I go, I'm going to hate this character. <laughs> the pig didn't talk, and I liked the pig. If Gurgi had just been a dog and didn't talk, I'd have been happy. <laughs> and that's not even this film's fault, I think, because he's like that in the book, is my understanding. Yeah. And hopefully in the book, it's better. <laughs> but either way, either way. So I think that's your. That was mine or yours? That was yours. That was mine. That was okay. Your first wow. Line. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's just we got back to my first. Yes. Line. Yes, we did. Yeah. Just the 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 climax to the 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 big combination never happens. The the big villain is kind of a flop. Thank you, Katzenberg. So, uh, so yeah. What is your number my one? Second. Dislike. Second. Thank my, you. I can't blame on Katzenberg. There are. Quite a number of shots in this film. It's not all the time, mm. but the biggest example I give, and the place where it stood out to me the mm-hmm. most, is when we first get into the castle where all the uh, the uh, characters, the the villains, are gathered. Yeah, all the the hench, the evil. Oh army. yeah, yeah. And it looks like they are two-dimensional paper cutouts in front of a picture of a stone wall. In some regards, yes. The fact that it looks like they, they're they not even lit correctly. 
Mm-hmm. It's like I don't know what that is. Is that I don't I don't know why, why this looks this way. I don't think that's Katzenberg's fault. Maybe it did need some more polish even before Katzenberg got a hold of it mm. and made his changes. But I was looking at that as much as I liked how that effect with the magical stuff actually made it feel more otherworldly. Yeah. Here it made it feel fake. Alrighty. Because it's like... Like the part there where the the ugly belly dancer jumps down and someone says something to her. I don't remember yeah. What. For one thing, she's a little jerky in her animation at that point. Okay. And you see her do that same animation again and the jerkiness is still there. Hmm. And... Uh, it it, it 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 feels like the best example the best thing I can call it is like feels like paper cutouts in front of well it, it feels like it's been layered improperly in some ways okay. or something or something's not moving right between the layers I, got I know you. it's layered that's how the cell animation works there's I know I that's just how it's set up but it it feels like it's the paper cutouts. Totally get I can, it. You can almost see the cellular animation animating where it's not... The, the magic of it being one picture is just not there. Yeah. And there's a couple other spots where, like, um, when uh, Taryn and... Uh, I'm going to call him Giggly. Uh, Giggly? <laughs> Giggly. Uh, Gurgy. Gurgy, yeah. Going to that castle the first time? Yeah. The sky is made of... I'm guessing actual clouds. Maybe. Or a cloud tank was used to kind of give it that more evil, dark feel, which kind of works on that magic thing I was talking about. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I looked at it and went, oh, y'all shouldn't have done that because that didn't look right. Not to me anyway. <laughs> Maybe it's, and it could just be because I actually watched the high definition version that's on Disney Plus. Yeah. You might not have noticed it on the DVD for all I know. Maybe. Because it's at a, it's at the 480 resolution, mm-hmm. so maybe it works better. I don't know, but here it's just like, uh, this does not work correctly. <laughs> this looks like it's, it looks like these are characters being animated on a pane of glass in front of a couple of still images. That's what it looks like, and not in the way it's supposed to look like. And it just, it, it just threw me. And it happens several times. Throughout the film. Yeah. And it bugs me. And that's why it's my second dislike. Alrighty. So my second second and third dislike. And I have a purpose for this. (laughs) So it kind of ties in with my first. And I actually made a hashtag over it. (laughs) Release the or restore the black cauldron, Disney. Come on! Wait, who was the director of this? Release the Berman cut. Berman cut. There we go. <laughs> Release the Berman cut. That's that's all we ask because Sorry, there, there's the rich Berman cut. Yeah, I can put both directors yeah. in there. Release the rich Berman, Berman cut. cut. <laughs> so it's, it's I it's, will spread that hashtag. Release <laughs> the rich. That that just became the uh, the title of this episode. Release yeah. the rich Berman <laughs> cut. <laughs> So, uh, like, yeah, so Disney has been sitting on this. Store the cauldron verse. That would. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> it's begun. It's begun. But, uh, oh, but 
Oh my the gosh. Justice League people aren't going to like me. No, they're not. Because <laughs> I stole their stuff. <laughs> Tough luck. We've been sitting on for 35 years. We, we, we get we get precedents. We should be stealing. We should be getting. We, we need the Berman cat. The rich Berman cat. Yeah, but exactly. We won't. Yeah, come on, Disney. Be like, you have had fans for decades. 35 years. Let's say that. That have been begging you to release the film in a much better form. Thank you very much, Jerry Katzenberg. Silly Katzenberg. Films are for everybody. Exactly. Cartoons are for everybody, not just kids. I I mean, like, it would have been interesting if you would have got a PG-13 release of this film. Or R. R Can you imagine an animated R film from Disney? Oh, yeah. It would have never happened. But Oh, yeah, because if they'd gotten this R, they would have smoothed something over. Oh yeah, because they still want a lot as many people as possible to see it. Oh yeah, and but also also look at the fact and be like the version we get is dark, like yeah. exceedingly dark. How did this movie get a PG rating? It should have got a PG thirteen rating because it just did <laughs> apparently. But either way, release the movie that originally intended by the directors. I know it's dark. It's got it's gory. It's got like have you seen like the uh, the one scene where it's uh, I've not par- watched any of the cutscenes. Oh, uh, there's a cutscene on here they've released. And it might be in the Disney Plus extra section. Oh, look at it. maybe. But this is like a, a character gets attacked by one of the uh, the Cauldron Born. Oh, and I, I read about this. Uh-huh. It gets turned into a Cauldron Born themselves. Yeah. Not like it's melted in the whole bit. It's like the goriest thing on the planet. It's like, yeah, they cut that, obviously. Well, but, yeah, that would have brought it back down from PG-13. Yeah, that, that would have something you got to cut to get it back down to that PG. That is true, but at the same time, it's like, come on, guys. Give us the film in which all these fans have been longing for for the last 35-plus years. Just give us the film. We don't care. Just give us the film. And also restore it. Can I play devil's advocate for a short second? Maybe. I do agree with you. Maybe. Go ahead. I do agree with you, but this thought come to mind. Okay. About what Jeffrey Katzenberg must have been thinking. Oh, yeah. When he saw this. It's too dark. He'd seen every other Disney film. He had an idea of what a Disney film was going to be. He had a feeling of what normal Joe Blow taking their kids to the movie theater. Oh, yeah. New Disney movies were supposed to be. And he goes in there and he sees that original cut that we want to see. Mm-hmm. The only man who got to see it. Well, but, technically, no. Except actually, he's not the only man, but he's... Anyway. Yeah, either way, be like kind of relating to that. They actually did a but screening he, of the film. Right, but he saw this. Yeah. And thought, this can't be what we release to children. Because mm-hmm. children were thought of in this. It's yeah, probably, it's I, Walt Disney. That company. was the thought. Mm-hmm. It's like, we make kids movies and you're gonna give them this we can't have kids watch this that might be what katzenberg was thinking oh yeah i completely agree with his his mindset on this and probably wanted to change it to make it more child friendly i agree but mm-hmm. but 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 mm-hmm. we're past that point now we are you screwed it you screwed it over fine give us the real version yeah exactly give it's- us the real movie yeah, exactly. Be like you, it doesn't have to be four hours like Justice League Snyder no, Cut is. No, but give us what this film was originally intended to be. Yeah, yeah. You know, the, the fans have been longing for it. The uh, release of the Rich Berman Cut. That would go. That's all we. I ask. can't believe that I want 
the 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 vision of a movie of by a by a director who also did the Swan Princess as much as I hated that movie. <laughs> yeah, so that that's that my biggest gripe with this movie. Release the original cut. Yes. So that's pretty much ends your dislikes also, right? Yes. So I got one last Release dislike. the cut. I got one last dislike. Okay. One final dislike. And that is simply I really wish it hadn't been an obvious adaptation of two different stories thrown into one film. Now, granted, I bet you uh, the first book, because this, this is mostly based on the second book, because the second book was called The Black Cauldron. Mm-hmm. But I bet you the first book, uh, well, I bet you the first book ends with them escaping the castle, and I bet you that would not have made a good ending Probably for not. an animated movie. It definitely yeah. would, would not be um satisfying ending. Probably not. But boy, can you just tell. Mm-hmm. This is two different stories. In, yes. Four in pushed, crammed into an hour and a half. Even mm. with the final cut. Yeah. This is a fast movie for it the, is. Amount, the amount of story it's go having to go through to, to get these two books. I don't know how long the books are. Yeah. But to get these two books crammed into one movie, I mean... I can't believe that the books aren't even darker than this or have more satisfying characters than this. A much more satisfying story by themselves than even this movie has. It's satisfying as uh, as well put together, even with Katzenberg's cuts. Mm-hmm. Um, even without Katzenberg's cuts, I can't imagine this film being... A, this has definitely got to be a point where the books, just simply because they have more room to breathe, are better mm-hmm. than the film is, and so I just I just wish it was not so abbreviated. I guess that's the word I'm thinking. Yeah, of. it's very much an abbreviation. They, they go by stuff fast. It feels like there really should be more to these stories, especially since that would give the Bard some reason for actually being in this movie. Because I'm sorry, he, he's has no purpose outside of comedic relief. That is true. Every time he lies, his loot breaks. Yeah. Ooh. Anyway, <laughs> that's my third and final dislike. So we need to rate this thing. Oh, this is going to be fun. What do you, you rate go? At? You go first. No, you go first. No, you go first. Okay, I'm giving it a six. Okay, then. <laughs> I know that doesn't sound like as much as I've talked about this film. You're probably surprised it's getting a six. Yeah. The animation is that good. Yeah, agreed. Nine-tenths of what I like about this film is its animation. The story, uh, it's obviously the story has, um, it has is there. Mm-hmm. I feel like they rushed it too much. Uh, there's a character I don't like that I suspect in the st- and the actual books is portrayed much better. Yeah. So I'm willing to, to let that just be a fault of Disney needing a cute, cuddly sidekick for our main character. And the pig wasn't good enough since it's missing for three quarters of the movie. Yeah. But anyway, um, yeah, it's, it's still a very well done movie. I, for, for its faults, I can't rate it any higher than six. Okay. But honestly, it was a fun ride the entire time. And my issues are just that it's, it's rushed. It's yeah. rushed, and it's got a character I don't like, and it was mutilated by Agreed. Jeffrey Katzenberg, even though I didn't mention that because I knew you were going to talk about it. Okay. 
All your right. rating, please, sir. I'm giving it a nine. You're giving it a nine. I'm giving it a nine. Because I mean, like, I just enjoy this movie tremendously. But like, yeah, it has its flaws. We have this butcher of uh, a cut that be like, there's so much potential in this film that has been literally cut underneath it just because like understanding Ka- Jerry Katzenberg's reason. I get it, but the store, the story itself be like, I like the characters. I even like Gorgie. I- I've grown to like the character, even though he is a Royal pain in the butt of a character. I still like the character. Um, uh, I enjoyed the animation tremendously. Yes, there are animation flaws. Thank you, Katzenberg, again. Hey, but the one I mentioned, I'm not sure Katzenberg had no, 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 I'm, I'm involved refer- with. No, I'm, I'm referring to the cuts. That's what I'm yeah. saying. Thanks, yeah, Katzenberg. Yeah, yeah. But um, but overall, I enjoyed this movie tremendously. Um, there again, we do have our different opinions on things. That's the wonderful things. We have our opinions, and we work through them. Yes. It's not we sit and yell at each other and we don't talk to each other ever again. That doesn't happen here. We haven't come across that movie yet. No, we haven't. I, I don't, I, <laughs> and I, I hope we never do. I, I don't. I don't think so. Uh, it's it would take some very odd movie to like put that polarization there. But that that is my rating. I give it a nine, and Drew gave it a six. It's not like I gave it a ten. He gave it a two no. or a zero. <laughs> no, this is. I like the movie. Yeah. It's just got problems I can't I can't let it get away with. Yeah. So I have to give it a six. Yes. You obviously have a much more you're actually able to forgive more than I am. That's yeah. fine. It happens. But anyway, that brings us to the end of this episode. <laughs> I have I have been known for being a very more positive person. <laughs> You've also been known for being more picky. Yeah, it's very true. We both can say that. Yes, yeah, very true. So very true. Uh, join, Our forgiving person. Yes. Either join way. us next week for a movie four years down the road. Yeah. From this one. About. Approximately. Yeah. How many years is it? Because <laughs> Anyway. Join us next week for a movie deep in the cap system of animation. <laughs> Tale as old as time. Tale as old as time. Uh, wonder what happened to all of Chip's brothers and sisters. <laughs> If you can't get the guess what we're talking about. We are talking about Beauty and the Beast with a special guest who I think is still in our chat, uh, Ashley. So uh, join us next week for that. At uh, uh, This has been Drew. This is Jacob. <laughs> and we'll catch you in the next frame. Come, Jacob. We must prepare for next week. Prepare for what, Drew? Same thing we do every week, Jacob. Record a podcast. Oh, boy. So where can they find you, Jacob? You can find me on Facebook at Jacob B. Heron, also on Facebook at Jacob's Daily Art Corner, where I try to draw each and every day. I don't get to it as often as I like, but uh, join me there. Also, you can find me on Instagram at Jacob B. Heron, on Twitter at Jacob Heron, and Letterboxd at Jacob Heron. So where can they find you, Drew? You can also follow me on Letterboxd at GGeorge759, Facebook as Drew Dodgen, uh, my Facebook page where you can see pictures I've taken at Drew's Photo Bin. You can also follow me on Twitter at GGeorge759. You can email us at thecellcastpodcast at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at cast underscore cell. 
You can follow us on Twitch at twitch.tv slash thecellcastgaming. You can also follow us on YouTube at Cellcast. Listen to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Play Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and your favorite podcast directory. You can also listen to us on the Movie of the Week podcast with Jim Heron, where we talk about live-action movies. And remember, Cell is a single single L. L.